but how you build wealth long-term in rental real estate and how you create financial independence is by consistently investing in any market cycle and any conditions. You just have to know how to do that. Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode. And you might notice today that there's only two people here, and that is myself and Zach Lee Master, the founder and CEO of Rent to Retirement. We wanted to come to you independently without a guest today because we've got a lot of questions from our investors. We've got a lot of things that we're constantly being asked. And so we thought, you know what? Let's just answer them for you here today. So, Zach, uh, good to have just you with me today. Adam, I always love our fireside chats, you know, and, and you have such a, a level head when it comes to investing and, and everything in general. So, uh, no, this will <laughs> not, not yet, my man, you're hanging in there. You're doing well. I, I you got me beat, I think so. Um, but I think this is something we want to do more of, of just you and I just talk, talking about until people, you know, shun us from sharing too much of our opinion, but I think this will be good. To, there, there's a lot of questions we get asked on a daily basis. We talk with thousands of investors, you know, as a, as a, a company and a team. Uh, and we're also talking with a lot of people just in different sectors of the real estate industry. And so I think the purpose is let's talk about some of the hot topics, because if, you know, these questions come up constantly, it means it's it's on top of everyone's <laughs> mind. And then, you know, let's address it. So I'm, I'm excited to get back to some of these basic, um, you know, just fundamentals with you. Yeah. So the big one that people have been talking about, well, since even the beginning of COVID is interest rates, because, you know, originally we were talking about them in a very excited manner of, oh my God, you can get an investment property with, you know, three and a half percent interest. And now it's, oh my God, if you're getting an interest rate on an investment property, it's, you know, around 8%, you know, seven and three quarters, eight and a quarter, depending on how much you're putting down and if you're paying points and all of that fun stuff. And so we wanted to talk today about why investing in a higher high interest rate environment isn't the death toll the death meal that you might have heard and also kind of some ideas of how you might consider leveraging yourself whenever you're doing this so um i want to start a little bit let's just talk about why this environment isn't as bad as a lot of people are saying and that to me it all boils down to you have people who didn't invest during covid because competition was too high right Prices were going up. Competition was too high. They didn't want to get stuck in the middle of either a bidding war or overpaying for a house that, you know, what, three and a half, three, three and a half years later is worth more than it was whenever they were freaked out about the price. And now you have people who won't invest because their cash flow is too low. Right. And so I guess at some point, midpoint, you think everybody must have bought, right, Zach? Somewhere in the in that time frame, well, everybody you- bought for sure. You would think, but I think the, what, the way I look at this, um, Adam, in, in general, is just you do not base your investing strategy and plan off of any short term, like any point in time. Really, yep. l- investing is a long term investment. And what we want to talk about today is like specifically given the market right now where we're at, what strategies can you employ and what options do you have both immediately and within the next you know, one to five years? To be a successful investor now, because Adam has all these points about like why now is a good time to invest. But just big picture, I want to hit this point home with the audience. 
never ever base your investing strategy based on like, oh, right now, like this is you, you're you cannot be so narrow minded that you look at just a an initial pro forma or a one year analysis and say, ah, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to wait. Right. Because there is always there's always a way for things to make things work at this point in time and in the future. But how you build wealth long term in rental real estate and how you create financial independence is by consistently investing in any market cycle and any conditions. You just have to know how to do that. Be long term minded and also know what tools you can uh, you can use. Right. So that's my opinion. Yep, absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to touch on is inventory back during the peak COVID time was flying off the shelves. And we had an interview with uh, our top lender, North American Financial, several months ago, and we're going to get them back on pretty soon. And they talked about something that not many people have talked about, and I definitely hadn't heard the phrase before, and that was that this is an accumulation market. And it really is true. In today's environment, you actually have time to sit down and do your due diligence on an area, on a property, and it's not just going to be gone. You know, it's, you've got a little bit of time to, to look into it. Obviously, there are some deals that are snatched up in a heartbeat. There's still some markets that are seeing, you know, properties you know, going in record time still. But you've got this time frame where you can actually do your due diligence And then you have to stop worrying so much about the numbers and start talking about getting properties in your in your portfolio at a set price, because once you have that set price and you have your set rent that, you know, is very, very, very unlikely to go down, you can start looking at, all right, what am I going to do in the future? But if you don't have something now, you don't know what your future is going to look like. And so we really have this time of let's look for a property that makes sense, makes enough sense today, and is going to make even more sense in a few years whenever you're able to reconfigure your loan. So it's something that I don't think is talked about enough. And people, like you were just saying, look at the one-year pro forma and think, wow, this isn't, this isn't as great as I want to see. And the answer to that right now is it's not going to be as great as you might want to see at the moment just because we're in an environment that needs more time for rents to catch up and all of that, but you got to look at the longer term picture. So I still want to point out to people, this is definitely still an accumulation market where you get it in your portfolio. And then in a couple of years, you're going to look back and say, how can I change this loan to benefit me? Or how can I utilize this property in a way that's going to put me in a better position moving forward? So there's more inventory available right now than there was when we had historically low interest rates, which we're likely to never see again. Who who knows? But um, I mean, that's it's because it was such a, you know, such an active market because people had access to such easy financing. Right. And there was so, so much money pumped into the economy. But now as interest rates just went through a dramatic increase, um, investor activity, mainly on an institutional level, has really slowed down. And so what that means is there's there's more buying opportunity um, for the for the average investor, all of us, right? The individual investor, not not your institutional money, because they've pulled out of the market where they used to scoop up like a lot of these built to rent properties and stuff like, you know, they used to buy everything, just just everything. (laughs) We didn't have it. We didn't even have the option to look at it. Um, You know, they're pre-contracting stuff. Um, So it's a different market right now. But based on accumulation market, it's interesting to hear that, Adam. because the way that I kind of adjust my mindset is like, it's for me personally, at least, 
uh, obviously everyone's in a different capital position. Sometimes you have to be a little bit more creative um, when you have less capital, but it's, it's always an accumulation period, um, <laughs> right? Now, some, sometimes more aggressively than others, but like right now, for example, um, and you and I are still investing in this market and, you know, the, the investors that we know that are successful are still doing the same thing because they see the opportunity, but we, you know, for us, we're, we're, we're in a kind of a little bit of a scramble because we got to buy properties before we got to close before the end of the year, specifically for tax purpose. And so it's just a matter of like, oh man, we can't, that we're running out of time. That's, that's just us. But to your point now is a, now is an opportunity and we'll go through specific examples. Cause I do want to talk about like loan options and how to think about financing right now. That, that's the big thing. So we'll, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty here. And Adam's going to share one of his um, properties that he's personally working on and like what specific loan options you can use right now and how you should be thinking about financing to set yourself up for success. But just one last thing, kind of big picture concept is that when you look at the market, like when interest rates do come down, the feds have already said, okay, we probably think in 2024 and 2025, the interest rates will come down. We don't know how far, but when that does, and we get more institutional money back into the market and they start to open up. So like, that's going to, we're going to be back to the same square one, right? Where we were at with, you know, more competition, prices are dramatically increasing. You want to own, you want to own right now. You don't stop thinking about cash flow today. You're not, no one's going to retire today off of cash flow. You're thinking, you should be thinking about cash flow five and 10 years down the line. But a lot of newer investors, which is okay, they look at a pro forma like, oh, well, seven and a half percent interest rate or whatever it is. I'm only cash flowing $50 a month. And it's like, yeah, but what's your long term plan? Like, okay, are you going to retire today off of one investment property? Guys, you got to think long-term. Be in a market where you have rental increases year after year. Everyone's going to refinance, right? If you're buying a property right now, you will refinance. I guarantee it within <laughs> the next five years. There's no question about it. That will increase your cash flow when you have a lower, you have a lower interest rate. Plus, your uh, rents are going to go up year after year. It's okay if you know rents are fluctuating a little bit right now. Um, you know, Adam, for example, is doing an interest only option on his property, but right now is a good buying opportunity where you can own rental real estate. I want to say one last thing, and this is a, a common thing. Everyone knows that with hearing the, the term, like you, you make your money when you buy real estate, right? I mean, have you heard that before Adam once or twice? Oh yeah. Yep. People, Maybe once or twice. People automatically assume that means that, oh, you've got to get a good deal when you buy it. Would, would you agree that yep. that's... That's what that means. Oh yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, every every single time it's but that means you're buying under market value. Um, Guys, change your mindset because what what you need to understand is how real estate works long term. You make your money when you buy real estate, meaning you own it. You own it, and then you can start building all these things. It doesn't matter if you buy it at market value because guess what? Today's market value is irrelevant in a few years. It really is like. If you're trying to spend all your time forcing equity and doing burrs and rehabs and things like this, like great, do that. But you know what builds wealth over time is owning rental real estate. So you make your money when you buy real estate by simply owning it and combining all the tax benefits and the leverage and things. I mean, I spent a lot of years flipping houses and I think a lot of people look at the burr strategy. I'm going to get off on a tangent here, Adam. So reel, reel me back in, <laughs> but give me, give me 30 seconds and I, I promise I'll be done. Um, I like... And I'm going to piss some people off probably when I say this, but when people like bigger pockets for a long time and a lot of these gurus out there, they were so, so sad on like teaching people how to flip houses or build equity in it. And I just kept thinking, because I did that for a long time, but I just kept thinking that is for someone that that strategy really is someone who has a ton of time and has no money to invest. The people that have money, they're not trying to buy themselves another job. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It could be enough money for a down payment 
20, 30 grand, whatever. And there's even some loan options where you can put as little as 5% down. So you don't even need that. But the people that are trying to burn properties are people that don't have money that would just buy rental real estate in a good market and let the market and let real estate on its own do what it, do what it does and build wealth over time. All right, Adam, I'm done. Let's talk about your deal and let's talk about some financing options today <laughs> that we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I've, I haven't seen Warren Buffett in a house uh, swinging a hammer anytime uh, recently, but so one of the things that I looked into and it, this, I'm just going to throw this out there. It is not for everyone. Um, you know, I would definitely, it's kind of like whenever we talk about, you know, talk to your CPA, talk to your lawyer, uh, talk to your loan officer, which is why it's important to have a loan officer that, you know, actually is looking out for you and making sure that you're getting responsible leverage. But I was talking with um, one of our lenders, actually our top recommended lender, uh, North American Financial. And I said, hey, I've got this deal. Um, you know, we're beginning the process of uh, construction. And it looks like in today's environment, I'm probably going to be a little bit negative on the property whenever we close, um, cash flow wise. It's appreciation wise, it's great. But, you know, cash flow wise with today's rents and with today's rates, you know, it's just it's not looking green. It's looking a little red, like a light red. And so I said, what about you know, interest only payment? And when you talk about rates today, everybody's going to be refinancing. Just so you know, if you're looking at it, you're probably paying points on your loans today because the people who are doing the lending aren't dumb. They know everyone's going to refinance in the next few years. And so they're charging you for it. So we were going over some of the numbers and saying, you know, okay, what rates can I get? What points can I get? And I just thought to myself, you know what? The first, you know, two years, I'm not really paying principal anyway. And I can write off my interest that I pay on the loan. You know, what would it look like if I did an interest only loan? You know, what would my rate be? And the rate wasn't really different. Um, it was just minuscule amount higher than if I were doing, you know, a, a 30 year fixed conventional loan. And so they told me, and suddenly my property was about, it was a very, very light green <laughs> instead of a very light red, but it changed it. And it was able to get it. It would have been a 10 year interest only loan. And then 20 years after that, because at that point in time, amortizing, you know, whether you're doing 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, doesn't really matter all that much because you're not going to be making those principal payments. Um, but you do definitely have to have some risk tolerance because you need to know there are potential negatives in the deal whenever you do that because you're not paying principal. So you need to be co comfortable potentially bringing more money to the table when you refinance, knowing that the interest rates are very likely to go down, like Zach was saying, but there's no 100% guarantee. So there's ways to look at it to save yourself a good amount of principal and your cash flow today that you will be able to take advantage of later as well whenever you actually refinance into a long-term fixed loan. But like, like I was saying, it's not for everyone. Definitely talk to a lender about your options whenever you're going into this. Adam, I want to even dissect this a little bit more, but this is, this is a key thing to understand right now. Like, if you are only looking at 30 year conventional fixed loans right now, you're to buy investment properties. And this is any investment property. This is even a primary residence, right? And this isn't investing with us or just on your own, whatever. You're probably thinking about it the wrong way, or you're not exploring all your options because arms and interest only products make a ton of sense right now. A ton. 
Um, especially, and there's all sorts of different options. There's arms that can be variable the entire time. There's arms that have a fixed period of time. The only one, the only thing I would say be cautious about is a prepayment penalty. If there's things that have a prepayment penalty uh, that extend past three years, then I would consider that uh, a larger risk because I don't want to be paying additional points. You can like refi those loans. I just don't have to pay for it. There's plenty of interest only products out there and arms that don't have prepayments or they have a prepayment for like one or two years, like you're going to hold it for one or two years anyway. Um, (laughs) You know, but here's, here's the thing. So let me, let me ask you, Adam, I mean, on your, let's just compare. And if anyone hasn't done this, this is good practice to go through actually running an amortization scale or schedule and looking at um, their 30 year fixed conventional loan and seeing how much principal they're paying versus interest in the first one, two and three years. It's very minimal, right? Like I would say like, close to 95% of your monthly payment is interest only. A lot of people get concerned when they hear interest only because they don't fully understand it. Or they're like, uh, no, we're supposed to pay down principal. Like, yes, over a period of time, but you just really have to understand the math behind it. And it's like, if you're likely, if interest rates are going to drop half point, point more, you're likely going to refinance within a period of time. You're, you're paying interest only anyways, right? You would have not reduced that. You would have not reduced that principal that much, but you would have missed out on a considerable amount more cash flow. So you're actually like losing money because yes, you're paying principal, but you're losing out on significantly more cash flow. Um, you know, so it's, you just have to run, the, run the math. That's my, that's my opinion <laughs> is understand the different yeah. loan options. And if you don't know your loan options, ask us again, whether you're investing with us or not, we'll give you 10 different lenders that we recommend, right. That will give you that have all sorts of different loan options. And we'll We've already done some of that research for you. What I'm personally buying right now is I'm doing, uh, well, actually I'm buying some with our Alabama builder that offers a seller financing at 2.99%. That is an interest only product that is two years. And I'm um, putting 25% down on those. But I know that within two year period, I am going to put that into a fixed loan and a fixed loan long-term. But for now, I'm going to cash flow. I actually ran the numbers. I did this on our YouTube channel. It was like $8,000 more annually cash flowing because the interest rate is lower. It's 2.99%. It's a no brainer. And it's interest only versus a 30 year fixed loan. So like I'm going to cash flow close to $20,000 more within a two year period. I don't honestly, I don't care what interest rates are at in the future. If they're the same, (laughs) they're likely not going to be higher. But even if they are like that's $20,000 worth of cash flow, I can extend that interest only loan or I can cash out refi, but I'm, I'm using those to cash flow a ton to put myself in a good position. But Adam, what's, so the property that you're talking about though, I just want to point out one more thing um, for people that are like, ah, man, cash flow is just, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, right? Cause cash flow, like one thing you could do is put down more money. Like sometimes you just have to do that. Right. And a lot of the commercial yeah. stuff we look at, okay, well put down more money. Now I don't always think that's the answer though. Um, I personally think you'll put down the minimal amount of money, even if your break even or slightly negative cash flow, assuming you have reserves, but understand you're likely going to refi in a short period of time. So let just, I, w- I want to run just through this scenario as well, because people need to be looking at other things outside of just cash flow. You got to look at what is a realistic appreciation? What is a tax play you're doing? Like, especially if you're taking accelerated depreciation, like we do. It's no brainer right now, um, you know, at, at all times. And the, like accelerated depreciation is becoming less attractive over time. Um, but look at that. You can't ignore the tax benefits um, and appreciation. But what is what is the house price that that you're buying right now that you're doing this? Um, uh, it'd be about 400. So the loan's right around 300. 
okay. for it because we're going to, it's our, our construction loan, we're going to need to refinance is somewhere around 300. So when I did it, I am paying in that first year, it's about $220 a month towards principal. That's yeah. it. If I did it at a seven and a half percent interest rate um, for the deal at a conventional loan, I'm paying about 20, 220 a month in, um, in principal and about 1800 a month, 18 to 1850 a month in interest. Okay. So this so. is, and actually this wasn't the path I'm going down. I'm, I wanted to talk about something else, but this is good that you're going through this. So that's, you know, roughly 2,400 or whatever it is in, in principal reduction by having a fixed loan structure. And you said your, your negative cash flow on that, right? At that. Yeah. It was going to be negative a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So $2,000, that's equity you've built 2,000, 2,400, whatever, paying the loan principal down. What is the, what is the interest only payment on that property and the cash flow by doing that loan structure instead? So the interest only was going to, I don't really have a great way to, to do it, but it was going to reduce the payment by about. And if anyone, right. cause we don't have, we don't actually have interest only calculators <laughs> on our website, but you yeah. go to like bankrate.com or you just Google interest only calculator and you punch in the principal balance of the loan, the, the amount of the loan, not the purchase price, the amount of the loan, um, cause you're putting down payment, whatever your down payment is and your interest rate. And I'll give you your interest only payment. It's usually significantly less. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you're putting down 25% or whatever it is, or you have a loan for 300,000 on that and your, your interest rate is still seven or what's, can we run that real quick? Yeah. So I did it. I don't, I don't really know the, the best way to do it, but it lowered my monthly payment to about, Twenty one hundred, as opposed to almost twenty three hundred. So it it took out basically all the all the principal, even with the higher interest rate. It took out the taking out that principal, made the payment roughly even with it before. So it, it because of that, it. I mean, I ended up in a positive situation by a little bit. And that could be important for a DTI type of qualification too, if, if you're needing to have, have that factored in. Um, you know, most of the evaluations we see, there's a, there's a bigger impact. Like in your, your example, I guess, and we, we kind of just went through this on the fly without doing a further investigation. But in most evaluations that we see, the principal reduction relative to the cash flow that you receive is dramatically different um, to the yeah. point where it's like, it makes more sense to cash flow more um, and you get that money immediately, right. Versus principal reduction. Like, that's great. You're reducing the, your loan, but like, you don't, you don't realize that you can't do anything with it. There's something to be said for tangible cash flow, which you could spend or you could reinvest. Um, when we talk about like looking at IRR evaluations and discounted cash flow, there's a, it looks at the time valuation of money. And when you get money cash flow wise, it's in your pocket, you can reinvest and save it up and then, you know, earn an, interest on it versus just paying principal down. So that's one thing to think about. But generally speaking, your cash you cash flow more on an interest only loan, same loan amount, same interest rates versus principal reduction in the first year, especially, um, especially with where we're at. Because also higher interest rates, yeah. this is another thing, you no know, higher interest rates also means more interest payment in the first year in the first on an yeah. amortization schedule, like it's even more interest than a, like a lower interest rate, right? So yeah. And I, my numbers are off here because I had to reduce the, 
the percentage to make my mortgage payment right in the for the interest only loan. So with what I was getting, with what I would be getting interest rate wise versus what I would have been getting with the uh, with conventional versus what I would have been getting with um, interest only, I was saving somewhere around one hundred and fifty dollars a month in cash flow, or I was adding one hundred and fifty dollars of cash flow to my um, to my bottom line, which took me from a little negative to a little positive. So the point is, know the options, interest only, ARM products are important. Look out for prepayment penalties. Um, understand the term of the loan because you can have a 30-year amortized loan, but it can be a five-year term. It can be a 10-year term. Shorter terms um, usually have more attractive rates on them. Um, you got to look at your loan value, how much money you have to put down. But shorter term loans, you know, I, I would I would imagine most everyone buying property right now is going to refinance within a three, if not a five-year period. So I am completely fine putting arms and interest-only products out there at a shorter period of time because we already know, no one's got a crystal ball, but we anticipate, especially election coming up, that uh, you know rates are likely going to come down. Um, but let me let me make one more point on this property of just like in general, why it would make sense to invest from a bigger picture, nothing about cash flow or interest rates uh, versus, versus just waiting. Because in my opinion, I've come to learn that like cash flow, at least when you first buy stuff, like it, re it's really negligible. Like we're kind of having we're kind of having the wrong discussion right now. Big picture, <laughs> no one's Adam. You're not going to retire off of this cash flow, right? Tomorrow, you're not you're not, not quitting not me today. out. <laughs> All right, um, we depend on you too much. But this is a long term play, okay? And when you think about investing in general, like let's look at this over over a ten year period. So I know where you're investing. The property I believe you're talking about is in a little bit more of a growth market. But, oh, 100%. Yeah. And everyone wants to be conservative on their, their numbers. Would you think it's fair to assume you're going to have rental increases year after year, probably? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, even in, mm -hmm. even in today's world where, you know, we're getting into the winter months and r rents tend to soften a little bit or even, you know, just stagnate, it's still you know, $100, $150 over where I thought I would be whenever I started the process, uh, you know, a year, year and a half ago. What is your, um, so it's a $400,000 property. What do you, what do you think a uh, uh, conservative appreciation um, number? Like, what are you running your numbers? What are you banking on appreciation wise? Cause you gotta, um, you gotta use something. Houses are going up <laughs> and like, we, we know this, yeah. this is in an area where there's a undersupply and a huge demand. Yeah. I don't no, see yeah. how it would be less than 5%. Um, I, I just, that would That's be a round number. number. Everyone wants to throw out 5%. I would, I would imagine it would be much higher than that, but we'll run 5%. It, it has been higher. And with the population growth and the lack of housing, I would expect it. To, I mean, what do I expect it to be? Probably seven or 8%. Okay. Uh, and you're running, what, but your conservative estimate is 5%. What is 5% appreciation after one year on a $400,000 house? It's 20 grand. 20 grand. Okay. That's at five, that's at 5%. That's one year. Now that house yeah. is worth 420. What's, what's 5% of 420. What is that? That's 21 grand. 21. You're pretty good, man. I had to punch out the calculator. <laughs> um, so you get this. So that's, that's year two. Now you have 41,000 and then it, it goes up and up, right? So you have this compounding effect. You hold this property for three years at a 5% appreciation, which is an extremely conservative um, estimate for the Southeast. Um, in some of these high growth areas, you know, you're likely going to have, you know, over $60,000 of equity 
the cash flow doesn't matter. The interest rate doesn't matter. We're not talking, we're not even considering, we're not even taking into consideration the tax benefits and depreciation. And, you know, if you, whether you're, whether or not you're paying principal down um, and now we're not investing for this, we're not banking on this, right? We're not like this is, this is, if, if you, if it doesn't end up being $60,000 plus of equity after three years, um, it's not like this is going to turn out to be a bad investment. There's a likelihood it could be significantly more than that. But from a conservative analysis, like that makes all the sense in the world. Even if you don't refi, you could sell that property. You could 1031 exchange it. You could pull that equity back out and reinvest it in something else and get like this compounding return, right? Because you're paying no taxes on that money. This, that equity, that appreciation, you can structure that. So you pay no taxes on that. I mean, that's a 1031 yep. exchange. People got, you have to realize that. So when we talk about my, my point is here, like when we're talking about cash flow and we're talking about, um, you know, paying principal down and we're talking in the terms of like a hundred dollars, $200, you know, like to me, it's like, that's, that's not the big picture, right? Look at where you're going to be in five years, be conservative with your estimates, but I mean, in a market where you have growth and rents and appreciate like your, your rents will increase over time. You will have appreciation. All markets go up over time, regardless of short-term fluctuation. Um, that's, that's how people build wealth. And then you can take that money and reinvest it, Adam. I mean, would you agree with that or? Oh yeah. And this is one of the times where shameless plug here. Um, you had that wealth calculator built uh, that you can find at rent to retirement. Uh, it's free, by the way, plug it all away. It's It's for your use. It's free. You can make an account. It'll save all your settings. You can input either properties you already have or the ones you're considering. And because quite honestly, like the spreadsheet that I have that that analyzes my deal, it doesn't do, you know, two, three, four, five years, unless I'm manually typing in the, okay, this is this, this is that. You have to do each year individually. Right. And then try to add them up. And so, Yeah. yeah, the wealth calculator that actually shows you, how it's going to progress year after year after year. And you can change, you know, what about three years, five years, 10 years. Um, It's definitely a time to utilize that. Go onto the website, look it up. Uh, If you have questions about it, you can, you know, schedule a call. We can talk with you about it. Happy to do it. But, you know, as you look out over time and you see what you can actually do with it, I mean, let's be realistic. If I get 5% appreciation, hold it for two years and I refinance into a lower rate, I'm not just going to refinance into a lower rate. I'm going to refinance while pulling cash out into a lower rate. And that cash is going to be tax-free. And then and I'm going to deploy that. probably went up. Yep. And, and then and you the buy rents. more property with it. Yep. So that's how and people, so, you know, build. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was going to say, even with the conservative approach we had at 5%, that leaves me at least $30,000 that I could pull out in two years um, from the property. Assuming my loan value hasn't changed, you know, if I do end up getting with the you know conventional loan that drops the loan, the principal payments every month, I could probably pull out 40 grand, you know, at that point in time. So, and then deploy that into something else. And then it really just starts escalating. So that's how people build wealth. Cash flow is important. You guys, everyone, I think when they first start investing, they want to think about cash flow. We have this discussion all the time, but they get so hyper-focused on uh, a pro forma, right? And they're like, well, is this positive cash? Well, 20 bucks a month. And they're like, oh, well, interest rates, uh, I'm going to wait until the, until it lowers a little bit. So my cash flow is more. And I want to jump through the phone and like, I want to help them. I also want to <laughs> strangle them too, because it's like, that's not, you're missing the point here, right? Like, and I understand your new invest. This is our job is to educate people. But like, just looking over a period of time, people build wealth. 
you know, in rental real, in real estate in general by letting real estate do what it does and, and build equity. And then they reinvest that equity and they, 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 because it's a tax efficient vehicle to access that equity, you can either pull down a cash out refi tax free. You can sell the property in 1031 and defer taxes. Uh, either way, it is a tax deferred or tax free option to pull out that equity and then reinvest it. And that's how people build, build wealth, investing in good properties in good locations with good teams. You know, that's how you make it repetitive. But real estate, I mean, people don't talk about, oh, I'm, you know, I've built this cash flow, you know, um, kingdom here. It's like, oh, I've reinvested my equity. And the cash flow comes, you guys. The cash flow comes after you build a portfolio. But your sole focus, if you're just starting investing or you're just, you're, you haven't reached the level you want to, your sole focus should be acquisition. Be an accumulation mindset all the time. Buy as much as you can strategically, smartly in the right locations, accumulate as much as you can, and then use your equity over time and let the rents go up, let, maximize the tax benefits, let us help you do that, and just rinse and repeat. And you can build a large portfolio in a short period of time, and then the cash flow will come. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the one thing people, and that's why I love the wealth calculators. People don't factor in rental increases as they look over time. Like, it's never going to stay the same. It's never going to stay the same. But yeah, look for look for the good markets and the good growth area, the good properties. And of course, as we've talked about all the time, the right teams in every market. So I want to wrap up our conversation here because I'm sure we could keep going on about uh, interest rate and taxes and uh, equity and all of that for, uh, for hours. Uh, but we're going to pull Zach's soapbox of taxes away from him uh, right now. So uh, if you want to see what we have available, head on over to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. You can you know, look and schedule a call with us there. You can see what properties are available. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. Don't forget to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you utilize. We greatly appreciate all of the kind things that have been written about us. And uh, again, if you have any questions, anything you want us to cover, email podcasts at renttoretirement.com. And Zach and I will hop on an episode like this and answer your questions. That's podcasts at renttoretirement.com. Really appreciate the time you spent educating yourself today. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. <music>